Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast. This message is brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. In this episode, you will hear from our editor, Bob Neiman, as he interviews CLA's president and CEO, Brian Wallace, in another installment of a segment we're calling How's Business? A laundry industry information update about a variety of important topics pertaining to the vended laundry business. Of course, as, as coin laundry owners know, uh, and, and any retail business operator knows, one of the byproducts of the pandemic has been a nationwide coin shortage, which uh, continues to kind of plague uh, plague the country. Where does the situation currently stand, and, 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 and what can owners of coin-operated stores expect in the coming months? I know you've been kind of plugged in uh, with with this uh, situation, uh, obviously. Sure. Uh, so what what can what can store owners uh, expect as we head down the road? Well, talk about unexpected outcomes uh, from the pandemic. Who would have thought that you'd have this uh, massive disruption in the flow of coins? Uh, just nothing that anyone could really have anticipated or planned for. Uh, but as uh, shutdown orders spread, as retail businesses slowed, um, as uh, Visits to the grocery store did not include a stop at the kiosk to redeem change, as bank lobbies largely have remained closed, uh, you know, preventing customers from redeeming that uh, coin jar that was sitting on the counter. Um, it really all conspired to you know, really uh, shorten up uh, the supply of quarters. And of course, those quarters didn't go anywhere. They're just frozen in place. And uh, we are fortunate to have some pre-existing relationships with folks at the U.S. Mint based on prior projects uh, in terms of CLA's advocacy efforts. So we were able to plug in right away and get information. Uh, we've been regularly uh, feeding information and sharing with the uh, U.S. Coin Task Force that was assembled by uh, the uh, Department of Treasury to uh, address this issue. So you know, our job one is always, Bob, was to try to inform our members. And so we've been able to uh, bring updates on a regular basis, uh, hearing directly from the folks, um, you know, not only on the at the Mint, in the task force, uh, the cash product office at the Federal Reserve, all the folks that have so much to do with how uh, coins get moved through the economy, we've been able to speak with them on a regular basis. And frankly, they're really interested in what our members' experiences have been. And so we have done surveys and, and fed that information back into the task force. And um, you know, so the uh, couple of things uh, went to work. Uh, the mint itself ramped up production uh, by a staggering 60 or 70 percent, uh, which translates into billions of additional coins. Uh, but, you know, the mm -hmm. regular supply, you know, the, the mint uh, making new coins was only contributing historically about 15 percent of the overall supply. And so that has helped somewhat. Uh, but, but really what happened is, that, is it became clear to the Federal Reserve that the coins were frozen in place. They uh, put what they called uh, allocations, uh, I would call it sort of a, a rationing of coins uh, to mm -hmm. uh, financial institutions. So banks, uh, your local bank, uh, who would typically order X amount of coins on a weekly basis uh, from uh, the local cash product office affiliated with the Federal Reserve, all of a sudden found that they could only get um, you know, a, a fraction of what they would normally order. And uh, that trickled down to laundromat owners who uh, would go to the bank 
looking to buy quarters and were not able to do so at all, or certainly not in the amounts that they had been accustomed to. Um, as a practical sure. matter, you know, as you well know uh, from all your years covering the beat, you know, there are stores that were, you know, traditionally quarter positive, meaning they grew quarters at the end of the week, and stores that are quarter negative, right. where just through the natural flow, they had, the store owner had to buy quarters at the end of the week, and it was very predictable. Um, what happened with this situation is obviously those who always had to buy quarters found the quarters hard to come by, and those that where traditionally quarter uh, positive stores had, had kind of flipped to the negative. And, and again, the anecdotal evidence was, uh, you know, people were coming in to make change and not spending it at the laundromat. So that was other local businesses sneaking in or uh, apartment laundry customers coming in to make change and taking those quarters out of the store. And so uh, for many of our members, this was a new challenge uh, to try to have, you know, to find quarters. So, um, in terms of strategies and tactics, everything from simply asking customers to bring quarters from home where they could, uh, posting up on Facebook uh, to the same uh, extent, uh, reaching out to local businesses that may have had an excess of quarters to buy quarters. We certainly had plenty of members who uh, worked with one another, uh, even uh, out of state or certainly uh, uh, out of uh, the immediate trade area. Um, <laughs> Sally saying, hey, Joe, I've got some extra quarters, uh, uh, come on by. And so it's really uh, heartening to see that cooperation and that matchmaking that we were able to help with, uh, to help you know stores that did have an access, help those that, that didn't. Um, so fast forwarding to the present, you know, we've done some surveys here recently. Our members are telling us that it's not a whole lot better than it was. Um, the uh, uh, U.S. Coin Task Force has indicated that there's been an easing of those uh, allocations or that rationing, and so they're anticipating a better flow. Uh, certainly, as more retail uh, gets up and running, uh, that's going to help. Um, one of the things that blew me away, Bob, is just the, the billions of dollars that go through those grocery store kiosks. <laughs> uh, you know, I know they. I don't, <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, there's a big uh, fee that comes on top of that, but you know, certainly the convenience has driven a lot of business and, and just. So the real the real uh, solution here is you know normalcy you know as, as people go back to the bank lobby to redeem the quarter jars people make that extra stop at the grocery store to use the kiosk um, as just you know kind of the regular flow of transactions you know at the the gas station and the convenience store um, as those things are restored uh, the issue will improve but it really is going to take uh, normalcy, which will largely be driven by uh, improvements in the pandemic uh, situation in order to bring that back to normal. But, you know, we really appreciate uh, being part of the conversation. So I just want to thank the, the Mint, uh, the, the U.S. Coin Task Force, and all those folks who have been willing to listen to our concerns, share information with us. And um, as, as things get closer to, to normal, hopefully in the near months, uh, we ought to see a better flow of quarters going through. And um, just one quick anecdote or nugget from uh, the survey that we did yeah. on the coin shortage of laundromat owners. The thing that one of the things that jumped off the page to me, Bob, was that 40% of respondents said that this uh, situation over the last seven or eight months has them thinking uh, about uh, payment systems um, and adding those additional mm -hmm. ways to pay. 
uh, more so than ever before. So uh, back to one of our earlier themes about existing trends being accelerated due to the pandemic, I think this would be another strong example of that. Exactly. It has people thinking of a different way to do business and uh, uh, an easier way to do business, certainly for both sides. Uh, well, th thanks for touching on that, Brian, because I know that there's been some confusion out there among laundry owners as to what was happening, why it was happening. So I think that really uh, that really cleared up that, that, that situation a little bit. Um, beyond the coin shortage, uh, there have been a few other legislative and regulatory issues on which the CLA has really stepped up to, to advocate for the laundromat industry. Uh, can you share a few of these issues and maybe where they currently stand? I know that there was a handful that you were working on pretty closely. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, certainly advocacy is one of our core competencies here at, at Coin Laundry Association and sort of representing the best interests of the industry. So um, sort of when it rains, it pours. We had plenty going on uh, trying to stay essential and, and certainly the coin shortage uh, took a, a lot of uh, bandwidth. But there were a few things that are worth noting, I, I think, that uh, a little bit further down the list, but important nonetheless. Um, we had really an odd situation with the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, where they uh, put out a notice for public comment on a recommendation to remove the requirement for garment care labels, uh, which struck us as kind of odd and kind of concerning, right? Is, uh, you know, we know that consumers, right, right. well, at least we hope in the laundromat that they're reading the uh, uh, the uh, tag and, and, you know, using the right uh, chemistry, using the right water temperature to keep those clothes uh, cared for and and uh, and have the longevity that the consumer is looking for. Uh, we certainly know that one of the first things uh, our members train attendants uh, at the wash, dry, fold counter is read the label. <laughs> find out what this garment is composed of and the proper way to to launder it safely. And so uh, this was concerning. And, and we also heard from uh, our friends at AHAM, which is the uh, Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers, our friends at the American Cleaning Institute, which is the group that kind of represents the detergent makers, uh, DLI, uh, our friends in the uh, Dry Cleaning and Laundry Institute. So all of us were really concerned about uh, no longer having uh, garment and textile manufacturers being required to provide a care label. Um, so we uh, uh, shared information with the, among those groups I mentioned. We submitted formal comments to the FTC. Um, and I was fortunate uh, to uh, actually have an opportunity to do a one-on-one -on -one call uh, with uh, the commissioner of the FTC, uh, Commissioner Chopra, and have a direct conversation mm -hmm. about our concerns over liability and damage to garments and things that could uh, be an outcome uh, mm -hmm. from uh, you know, removing the standard. And so we had a very good uh, conversation. I appreciate uh, uh, both Commissioner Chopra and his staff for uh, reaching out and being able to spend some time talking about this. So uh, no resolution one way or the other yet, but we did submit our comments and I'm certainly hoping that this um, uh, age-old uh, standard uh, will uh, remain in place. As a matter of fact, I spent more time talking with the commissioner about um, maybe it's time to revisit those care labels and improve them in terms of uh, you know, uh, you know be, being up to speed with the current uh, textiles being used and cleaning methods being used. It might be time to revisit 
So rather than remove the requirement entirely, let's fix and update the current one. So that was an issue that is um, not yet entirely resolved, but we felt good that we were able to weigh in on that uh, on behalf of our members. Um, another one that's mm -hmm. uh, happening here currently uh, is a, a return of some uh, legislation uh, that speaks to coin composition. And I'll try to spare you the arcane, Bob. You've heard my long-winded explanations of this in the past. But, <laughs> uh, but the short version is that, you know, we know that uh, some coins, some denominations of coins, primarily the, the penny and the nickel, have a production cost, raw materials and manufacturing, that exceed the face value, right? So you may, you know, you see things on Facebook and, you know, it's two cents to cost, cost two cents to make a penny. And as you know, we're all taxpayers. We all see uh, the problem with that. And so there have been a couple of attempts at legislation yeah. in recent years uh, from Congress to uh, essentially uh, mandate that the U.S. Mint look into this, look for other ways to uh, kind of close that gap and, uh, and make changes to the uh, actual physical um, uh, composition, uh, the alloys being used, et cetera, to try to further bring down the production uh, costs. And so in the past, uh, we've stepped up on that. We've attended stakeholder meetings at the Mint, along with folks in the vending industry and armored car industry and other folks affected, and, and basically said, <laughs> don't change our change. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> well, as, you, as you well know, if there were uh, certain changes made to the size, dimension, uh, weight, uh, electromagnetic signature of, in, this, in our case, the quarter, uh, that would uh, potentially uh, leave our coin drops, coin slides, and other equipment um, obsolete and in need of uh, replacement in order to accommodate not just the uh, specter of a new quarter, but you know, being able to accept both right? Because you, you don't turn off the faucet and all the old right. quarters go away and only the new ones are in place. And so we submitted comments a number of years ago, uh, just you know, kind of talking about the hundreds of millions of dollars it would cost our industry and others to uh, retool to accommodate uh, you know, a new coinage. Uh, and selfishly, we like to point out, Bob, that it only costs eight or nine cents to make a quarter. So uh, in terms of the senior edge right. between production costs and space value, the quarter wasn't the problem. So please <laughs> leave it alone. So fast forwarding to this legislative session, um, was uh, very pleased to hear from uh, staff uh, from uh, Representative uh, Amadai and uh, Senator uh, uh, Maggie Hassan from uh, the Northeast, uh, who are co-sponsoring uh, legislation in both houses. Uh, to basically authorize uh, the Mint to, again, do this examination, look at ways to make things better. Uh, but uh, we were able to have a number of conversations, again, engaging with other uh, industry partners like NAMA, uh, the National Automatic Merchandising Association that serves the vending industry, and a number of others to, to say, well, uh, we all, we're all in favor of uh, lowering the cost but we just want to limit the impact on industry. And so we were able to collaborate uh, in both the House bill and the Senate bill to add language requiring that industry be heard from, 
uh, requiring that any changes that the men were going to consider would be seamless. In other words, not requiring a massive mm -hmm. retooling in any of our industries. And because, again, we had these pre-existing uh, pre relationships with the folks at the Mint, uh, they were on board with the language. And so we actually got to the point where uh, this legislation we had uh, bitterly fought in the past, we actually signed on and endorsed uh, because it really addressed our concerns from an industry standpoint. And so we're still thinking that that may be uh, considered here uh, in the uh, last uh, tail end of Congress uh, for the session. And if it passed, at least we're uh, assured that any changes to the coins coming up uh, would not have that feared uh, devastating impact uh, for us as an industry. So uh, stay tuned, Bob. We'll, we'll certainly continue to cover this uh, topic. But at the moment, we're feeling good that the uh, legislation as rewritten would address our concerns. Right, right. Certainly a lot going on or a few things going on on the uh, regulatory front. Uh, and it sounds like they're all headed uh, at least in a positive direction uh, as mm -hmm. we wait for an outcome. So, so very good. Thanks for that update. Um, another thing I think that, uh, that you can feel good about and CLA and laundry owners can feel about is that the association uh, recently inked a couple of new strategic partnership deals, uh, basically, and it's continuing efforts to, to better serve its members. Uh, is, is there anything that you can divulge about these new partnerships uh, that the laundry owners would, would need to know or would like to know about? Anything you can tell us about? Yeah, sure, Bob. You know, always happy to talk about these things. And, you know, again, one of our core uh, competencies is to try to, uh, you know, bring uh, business solutions, uh, partnerships to, to our uh, industry uh, using that uh, core power of association, which is the strength in numbers, right? So we've got a, a great track record. Uh, many of our folks listening are familiar with CLA Insurance that's provide, been providing uh, property liability and work comp insurance to the industry for over 30 years. Uh, you know, our a great partnership uh, with Forward Energy, where we're helping our members buy gas and electricity at lower rates uh, in those markets that are deregulated. Um, certainly, our digital marketing uh, benefit with AMP uh, is just just the best deal going for websites and reputation management and online directories and uh, improving Google listings. That's been a home run. Uh, last year, we also updated our uh, services on demographics uh, with a new partnership with Ideal Spot, uh, bringing the best ever uh, demographic services uh, to market than we ever have had. <laughs> In the past, I'm a geek on those uh, demographic reports, as you know. Uh, so that's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, so the big announcement here recently was uh, a new partnership with LIG Solutions. And what their specialty is, is health insurance. And you know that we've talked about this at the office a hundred times. Just, boy, how do you navigate health insurance on behalf of the members? It's so complicated and so complex. And um it's just a tough one to get your arms around. And we were very fortunate to find LIG. They actually specialize uh, in health insurance for very small companies, uh, self-insured folks like a lot of our members, and uh, help them navigate, whether it's uh, private uh, coverage uh, or uh, going to the exchanges uh, uh, for the publicly provided solutions for health insurance, or just being able to set up a small company plan for uh, you know, a, a pair of spouses, uh, uh, a, a child that works 
uh, in the business or a, a manager or other key employees. And so um, I really encourage folks now that we're, especially that we're now in the open enrollment period uh, for, for, uh, for Medicare, for the exchanges, uh, all the other options that are out there, uh, to simply call up. The worst you can do is find out that you've got the best deal going on your own and you can pat yourself on the back. <laughs> um, you know, the best case is you find out that there's a better fit for you. Uh, and just to have somebody navigate all the options that are available. And again, being a small business owner, you, you sort of ask to be an expert in everything. <laughs> and so uh, with our CLA programs, what we try to do is, you know, provide you a little backup in that. Um, so you, you probably know enough about health insurance to be uh, uh, dangerous, uh, but why not talk to an expert about it? So uh, that's been uh, kind of the blockbuster one we introduced uh, just about a month ago with LIG Health Insurance. And um, we've got uh, two more that I'm really excited about that <laughs> will definitely save uh, long-term owners uh, time and money, uh, but we're going to have to wait for the next podcast to talk about those. A couple of deals that just haven't quite been inked yet, but <laughs> But, uh, but uh, we're excited about adding more to this uh, suite of CLA business solutions and, uh, you know, again, put our power of association to work and, and bring things uh, to the members, with these key business services uh, that they might not be able to access on their own. Absolutely. Fair enough. Very good. Thanks, Brian. Uh, hey, last question for you. And again, I really appreciate your time today for sitting down and kind of uh, uh, spraying golf fields and, and kind of fielding uh, these, these crazy questions. But um, looking ahead to uh, 2021 and hopefully better days, uh, what are you hearing about the upcoming clean show, which is scheduled for uh, next summer in Atlanta? What can laundry owners expect? Yeah, there's been a, a fair amount of chatter about that, Bob. You, you know, we've got a lot of exhibitors that are members of Coin Laundry Association. And, and uh, as you know, mm -hmm. we uh, uh, formally sold the clean show back in 2019, along with our other uh, association partners, but very proud and pleased to stay on as sponsors of the show. Um, and so we're very heavily engaged with uh, the organization that currently owns the show. I personally, I serve on their advisory council. And so we've had a lot of uh, a good connection on what's happening. And you would talk about industries that have been completely upended the pandemic, uh, the, the meetings and conventions industry is uh, right at the top of that list. Uh, uh, there have virtually been no trade shows, no conventions uh, throughout this year, and everyone sort of keeps delaying and and uh, and hoping for you know enough improvements in the in the pandemic to allow for uh, safe travel and, and and larger gatherings. And so, uh, you know, as it relates to the clean show being in June, uh, you know, we don't have a crystal ball. <laughs> Uh, to know uh, whether or not that's going to happen as scheduled, uh, but we certainly are working closely with uh, the owners of the show and all the stakeholders, exhibitors, and others. And uh, I do know that, again, just like every other industry under the sun, uh, as uh, cancellations extended through the end of 2020 and now into the first and second quarter of 2021, uh, I expect that uh, some decisions will be made here shortly in terms of a go and no-go. Uh, the Clean Show, you've been to so many yourself. Uh, we know just the big engine for making this industry hum, uh, getting our members in front of the products and services mm -hmm. and equipment that they need. So I'm certainly hoping that uh, the show will happen uh, sooner than later, but we'll just have to wait and see 
and uh, so much will be dictated by uh, you know, business travel, uh, local uh, safety uh, guidelines when it comes to gatherings, and uh, just another industry that's having to pivot and trying to find ways to reinvent uh, the convention business so it can happen with uh, confidence and safety for everybody involved. So as soon as I hear any definitive word, uh, we'll certainly share it. Uh, with you through Planet Laundry and make sure we get the word out to all the members uh, and to hope to find out more information here shortly. Very good. Well, thank you, Brian. Uh, and thank you for everything. I appreciate that. And um, is there anything maybe I didn't ask right now that uh, you feel uh, the, the, the listeners uh, would need to know or would like to know about what's happening within the industry? Or I don't know. Anything I didn't ask? Yeah, no, I appreciate spending some time with you, Bob. It's always great to talk shop and and uh, uh, you know get some of these answers out uh -huh. to uh, the laundromat industry. But no, I don't think there's anything that uh, that we've missed. Sure, just, sure. Okay. If I had to if I had to sum up, I'll, I'll sort of end where I started, which is um, this pandemic has presented unprecedented challenges to every American, every business, every industry, and I'm just uh, incredibly proud of how well the laundromat industry has performed, rising to the challenge, uh, stepping up the cleaning and disinfecting, allowing for social distancing, taking care of customers, taking care of employees, doing things as safely as possible. And I said to many people that you know, we were able to um, uh, achieve this uh, essential designation, but it's not a permanent designation. We have to go out and earn that every day by how we do business. And so, um, just want to continue to encourage the industry to continue rising to that challenge, be resilient, earn the essential designation, and we'll continue to do business, be successful, and take care of our customers. I think that's the perfect way to end it. Thanks, Brian, very much. Thanks, Bob. Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at www.planetlaundry.com slash subscribe and follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.